Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Happy Thanksgiving week. <laughs> Y'all, this is my 15th Thanksgiving in America, but it was my first as an American citizen. Yes. <laughs> so I am officially one of y'all. Yes, I can vote and run for office. Yes, I know, I'm so excited. Don't worry, babe, I'm not gonna run for office. I just saw him get a little, like, you know, triggered right then. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, well, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Ours was great. We ate a lot, 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 lot of food. It was amazing. Cornbread stuffing. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> Where has that been all my life? It's my favorite Thanksgiving side. Anyway. Hallelujah. <laughs> I only have 13 pages of notes today, so, you know, this is going to go real quick. Um, but can we throw out the declaration slide before, if we have that ready, so that we can just set our attentions on the Lord, on the Word of God? Maybe we can't, and that's okay. Let's pray instead. <laughs> Jesus, we thank you for this morning. Oh, there it is. Well, we'll keep praying, and then we'll go to it. <laughs> God, we thank you, and we ask that you would just come and do what only you can do in our midst, God. We thank you for not just another good service, God, but for a time of encounter that truly changes us. We're not here to play church, God. We're here to meet with you. So we ask that you would just encounter each and every one of us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. Let's say this together. Can you grab your Bibles, your phones? Just hold them out in front of you, and we're just going to repeat this together. You ready? I love my Bible. I believe that it is the Word of God. I believe I am who He says I am. I believe in its power to transform my life. I know that God will meet me in these pages. My heart is open to receive, and I boldly declare I will never be the same. Amen. Okay, before I get started this morning, don't you love that we're all different? Don't you love that we all experience Jesus in unique ways, that he talks to us in unique ways? I love it. It's part of the diversity that we have in our faith. We're all after the same goal, right? Pursuing Jesus, looking more like him, seeing heaven come to earth. But the way that that happens through each and every one of us looks different, and it's beautiful, and it should look different. Amen? So that's my disclosure for my message this morning. My message this morning, the title is called Shake, Rattle, and Roll. <laughs> Shake, Rattle, and Roll. And this morning, I'm going to be talking about the physical manifestations of the Holy Spirit. 
I know. Some of you all are excited. Some of you all are terrified, and that's okay. <laughs> it's going to be fun, I promise. But look, oftentimes in charismatic circles, it's, it's the elephant in the room that we don't always discuss. And if you've been here at Bethel Austin for very long, then chances are you have encountered someone else encountering Jesus, perhaps in a way that he hasn't encountered you. Anyone else in the room? Yeah. And so God moves through these physical manifestations. And if he's done that in our lives, then oftentimes it's easy to get on board with it, sometimes easy to understand. But if he hasn't, it's a little harder for us to grasp and a little harder for us to understand. And I want to talk this morning about this because sometimes it can make us uncomfortable. Look, you might have walked in the room and seen someone um, experiencing the Holy Spirit and been like, I have found my people. I am here. This is my tribe. Right? Some of you are like, yes, I've been waiting for this. And some of you are like, oh my God, what is happening? This is distracting. I don't understand this. And if I'm honest, it kind of scares me. Don't worry. Yep, I was there. <laughs> well, then this message is for you, Chad. <laughs> but look, I want to break down the physical manifestations of the Holy Spirit. I want to give us the biblical context this morning and perhaps a greater understanding Although my disclaimer is, I don't claim to know why God moves the way that he chooses to move sometimes. And so whilst I can't give you a scripture reference for every single manifestation, although, side note, if you read your Bible, there's actually a lot more of them that occur in here than you may think. All throughout the scripture, Old and New, um, yeah, Old and New Testament. So hopefully, I can give you a little bit of a better understanding this morning. If you're already on board, then hopefully I can just equip you with some more information to help other people understand what is happening. Okay, so a lot of you have heard my story before, so I'm going to go as quickly as I can, but I'm just going to recap it for those of you who don't. I, um, when I was born, I went to a Baptist church. My mom put me in Sunday school, and she attended a Baptist church, which was awesome. Um, as soon as I was able to and I had a say, I kind of walked away from the church because, to be honest, God wasn't really real to me. I heard about him. I read about him, but I never really encountered him as a child. And so I walked away, and, and the church, or God, if you will, in that moment wasn't real enough to lure me out of the world in my life because I hadn't encountered him in that way. And so I was reintroduced to him at 21, praise Jesus. I know I still look 21, but, you know. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so it wasn't that long ago. Um, <laughs> but I encountered him again at 21, and I gave my life to the Lord and began to attend an amazing church in Sydney, Australia, who loved Jesus. They preached the word they really instilled in me a love for the disciplines of our faith, like prayer and reading the word and studying scripture. And so it was amazing. But I began to read this book and I began to hear about God moving in signs and wonders. And I was like, wait, if he can do it then and he's the same God yesterday, today and tomorrow, 
then why aren't I seeing this happen in my life? And so fast forward and I started listening to a bunch of people who were experiencing God in these kinds of ways. And I remember distinctly I was driving to work one day and I was listening to um, a CD. Yes, I was listening to a CD and it was a testimony. And this preacher was beginning to recount this testimony that he had seen. And he was doing a healing crusade and it was in Southern California. And he said that at the top of the bleachers, he saw this bright light shining on someone's head. And it engulfed this person's head. And he said, and he made the declaration that the angel of the Lord is here and he is present to heal. And at the end of the service, they had time for testimony. And this young man came up onto the stage to give his testimony. He was like, that was me. I was on the top of the bleachers and the angel of the Lord began to minister to me. And there's this other gentleman who accompanied him, and he was on stage weeping. And so the preacher was like, well, what did he do? And this young man said, I had Down syndrome, and he healed me. (laughs) Almost to the unbelief of the preacher, because there was no physical indications that this young man had Down syndrome. But the man who accompanied him was weeping and he said, I was his youth pastor and this is the first time I have heard him string a sentence together. And he was weeping over the goodness of God. And I heard that testimony and I tell you this vibration started to go through my body and if I'm completely honest, it freaked me out. I pulled my car over because I was like, I do not know what is happening. But my body for like five minutes, just this hum, this vibration was going through my body. And I had never experienced anything like it. And if I'm honest, I've only ever experienced that one other time. One other time. But I began to feel the Holy Spirit and he overwhelmed me in that moment as he came into the car. And he just showed me what was possible. And so I had that experience with the Holy Spirit, but I wanted more. Because when you encounter the Holy Spirit, it's going to want you leaving more. And so I ended up finding my way to Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, which the name in and of itself should give you some indication that it was a little wacky and crazy. (laughs) But I remember getting to um, the customs, like immigration, and they were like, so where are you going? What are you coming in for? And I was like, the School of Supernatural Ministry. And they were like, what? (laughs) And we actually had to change, like we had to tell international students not to use the name Supernatural because they were all being held up in immigration. Anyway, it was kind of funny. (laughs) It was kind of funny. But I remember I went there, and if you know Bethel by TV, or if you know Bethel because you watch YouTube or you watch clips of Bill Johnson preaching, then you could easily be fooled into thinking that Bethel is polished. (laughs) But can I tell you, if you spent any time there, and especially 15 years ago, it is not the polished version that you see on TV. It is messy revival. It is messy revival, and I guarantee that is why most people watch it today, is because of the momentum that that revival created. But they don't often see the other stuff that went into it. And so when I got there for school of ministry, and I began to see people laughing 
and rolling around on the floor and jerking and shaking. I was like, what did I get myself into? (laughs) These people are crazy, crazy. And you know, I I self-appointed myself as God's helper. (laughs) And I was like, hey, Lord, I'm going to help you out by judging every manifestation. And I'm going to let you know if it's you or not. (laughs) Have you ever done that? Yeah. And so I would watch these people laughing and rolling and I'd be like, "Mm, nope, that's not Jesus. And so for a few months, honestly, that was my role. It was not a very productive nor fruitful few months. (laughs) But I tell you, God changed my heart. Praise the Lord. And I want to talk about that process in just a minute. But one of Bill Johnson's favorite quotes when he talks about revival is Proverbs 14.4. And it says, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. But abundant crops come from the strength of an ox. And you're like, what does that mean? I am not a farmer. Let me tell you what it means. In the commentary of David Guzik, who is a theologian, he says this, This is an important principle when it comes to church life and Christian community. There are some who out of good intentions are obsessed with making sure that there is never any kind of mess to be addressed. Each and every expression of spiritual life must be hyper-regulated and suspiciously watched with the expectation of grave error. Not only is this an offense against Christian liberty, but it also creates an environment where spiritually speaking, there is little increase because no one will tolerate any mess. We need to be willing to have the mess in order to see God fully come in our midst. But here is why I was judging manifestations. I've said it before, and I'm getting better, but I'm just going to say again, I like to be in control. I do. And I think a lot more of you actually do as well. (laughs) We as people, as a general rule of thumb, like control. We like to control our situations, our circumstances. We just like everything neat and tidy, right? But let me tell you that fear is the root of control. Fear is the root of control. And when I saw a bunch of people that looked out of control, guess what my natural response was? Fear. Guess what fear manifests as? Judgment. And we judge that that we do not understand because we fear a lack of control. I judged because I had yet experienced what I saw other people experiencing. Because we have this need to understand so that we can maintain control. Because without that control, fear pushes us to judgment. Most every time I see judgment manifest on someone, judgment, not discernment, we will get to that in a minute. But judgment, you can literally feel the fear behind it. The most judgmental people are the people who are the most imprisoned in fear. 
And actually, this should lead us to empathy and compassion for judgmental people. Even though that's hard, real hard. But at the very core, they are just frightened people. They are just frightened people who need to be in control. And Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And what? Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, trust in Him. And He will direct your path. I believe you can truly see if a man or woman trusts in Him by how willing they are to not understand. Your ability to embrace the mysteries of the kingdom is a reflection on how much you trust God. You either trust that he is good or you don't, right? And we need to lean on that knowledge that he is good, especially in the times when we don't understand. But look, that was my first experience with manifestations. <laughs> and it was so interesting and so frightening. And it was crazy. I have it written in Acts 2. It's crazy until something happens, right? And it always looks crazier on other people than it does on us, right? <laughs> Look, it turns out that God didn't need my help <laughs> as much as I thought he did in the judgment of manifestations. And so I learned to get out of the way and I learned to say, you know what, God, I trust you. Even when I don't understand what is happening, I trust you. And it's not my job to, to judge. It is my job to discern. But it is not my job to judge. And I trust you. And can I be honest? I still sometimes slip into that pattern when I see a manifestation that's kind of wild. I'm like, and I'm like, oh, no. You know what, God? I trust you. I don't understand that, but I trust you. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not the first person to laugh uncontrollably. I don't often get drunk in the spirit. We will cover that in a minute. <laughs> I actually don't experience a lot of physical manifestations. But I do treasure them when I do. And I tell you, I just want God any way that God wants me. I want God any way that he wants me, even if I don't understand it. But I'm not usually the one rolling on the floor. I'm usually the designated driver. <laughs> but look, I'm a very logical thinker. Like 85% of the time, I'm a very logical thinker. The other 15, I'm dreaming off somewhere. One of my pet peeves is when an argument is not based in logic. My dad used to say, you should be a lawyer. And I was like, well, I mean, if I could get paid to argue, that would be kind of awesome. <laughs> but I just don't understand when things don't make sense or when people make decisions that don't make sense. So I have to choose to trust a lot. A lot. 
But look, I have a deep love for the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, even if I don't experience them very often. So the way I see it is I'm either the best person to be preaching this message to you, or I'm the worst <laughs> from my lack of experience. And if it's the latter, then you can take it with a grain of salt. But it does mean that I have to choose to trust even when I don't experience. And I think a lot of us fall into that category. So we are on this journey together, amen? When we're not fully experiencing what we see other people experience or not understanding, not having the encounters that convince us ourselves, we need to lean heavily into trust into trusting that he is good. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about the theology of emotionalism, which is actually why we see oftentimes a lot of physical manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what that is. There are some denominations that have completely rejected the theology of emotionalism. And guess what? They don't really see God show up in their emotions or in physical um, demonstrations of manifestations of the power of the Holy Spirit. Like you would say, sensationists would be part of that group. But here is what it is. Before we build the framework around manifestations, let's look at this for a minute. What is it? It is often misunderstood and sometimes misrepresented, but it's an emphasis that the role of emotions, of the role of emotions in spiritual experience. Rooted in the belief that God is inherently emotional and desires a deep emotional connection with his people. Emotionalism theology encouraged believers to engage with God authentically through their emotions. This theological perspective finds support in various biblical passages that reveal God's own emotional nature. So who knows that God is an emotional God? Yeah. Actually, so diverse in his emotions. Look, here's a couple of examples. In Exodus 34, 1, uh, 34, 14, God himself describes himself as a jealous God. Jealousy is a strong emotion. In Psalm 103, 8, God expresses himself as compassionate and merciful. In Zephaniah 3, 17, God depicts himself as rejoicing over his people with gladness and singing. That requires deep emotion. In 1 Samuel 15, 11, he even says that God regretted something. The God had the emotion of regret. And it is all throughout Scripture. Jesus wept. There is Scripture after Scripture where it talks about the emotions of our God. And so to not engage God on an emotional level would be to completely miss a whole aspect of his nature. And so we believe that we can experience God through our emotions. Sometimes that looks like laughter. Sometimes that looks like crying. There's so many different ways that God encounters us through our emotions. But listen, while emotionalism theology emphasizes the significance of emotions, it also calls believers to balance their experiences with scriptural wisdom. 
And it exhorts, Proverbs 4, 7 exhorts believers to seek wisdom and understanding, ensuring that emotional encounters align with the truth found in God's word. And in history, there have been the case where people have done, gone so far into emotional expressions of the Holy Spirit, but not had a great foundation of the scriptures. And here is a word to the Pentecostals and the Charismatics. Firstly, hi, I'm one of you. (laughs) But listen, we need to do a good job balancing something that has got out of whack in our history. We have leaned so heavily into the move of the Holy Spirit and experiencing him through the physical manifestations that we have sometimes neglected the biblical foundations and the truths that we need to stand on that are found in the word of God. Quite simply, we can't just experience him without knowing the word of God. It has to be both. And one does not negate the other. They're actually like this beautiful tension, this beautiful balance. The belief that emotional and physical experience trumps the scriptures is false. But to assume that all experience has to be found in scripture is also false. It's the tension of the kingdom, right? It's that thing that maybe we don't quite understand, but we have to learn to trust. We have to balance emotionalism with biblical wisdom. Okay, let's go through some of the biblical foundations of manifestations. Now, if you wanna turn in your Bibles to Acts 2, I believe that they will have that on the screens too. We're going to start in 1, verse 1 through 4, but I'm going to read two passages out of Acts 2. And these are perhaps the two most famous passages of Scripture that are mentioned when talking about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. But 1 through 4 says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. I mean, that will freak you out, right? I don't know, that would freak me out, but I'm here for it. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So the speaking of tongues is one of those physical manifestations that we're talking about. And if we jump down to verses 13 through 15, it says, Some, however, made fun of them and said, They have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Some of you all might be like, that is still possible. But let me tell you, commentator Adam Clark says this, that most Jews, pious or not, do not eat or drink until after the third hour of the day because that was the time for prayer and they would only eat and drink after their business with God was accomplished. So back in those days, it was not common to be drunk at nine o'clock in the morning. I mean, it shouldn't be common to be drunk at nine o'clock in the morning in any time of history, but... Listen, what comes with the drinking of too much wine? What does that look like? Let me tell you, before Jesus, I was a bartender in England. 
So I am more than qualified to tell you the stupid things that people do when they are drunk. Oh, I've seen a lot. Like the laughing, the falling down, the stumbling, the loss of inhibition, right? Something else takes control of their body. And so oftentimes something else, if we allow it, will take control of our body and it's the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we lose inhibitions when the Holy Spirit takes over. I know you got questions and I've got answers, but just wait. Because I had a lot. I was like, yeah, but <laughs> we'll address the buts in a minute. But I want to talk a little bit more and show you more scriptural references for manifestations. Okay. Sometimes would you say that God moves in ways that you don't understand or that you think is just kind of crazy? Yeah, I do. I mean, Zachariah in Luke, right, in the story of Zachariah, God made him mute. Paul, on the road to Damascus, was knocked off his donkey, and God made him blind for three days. Now, if that manifestation happened here today, we'd all be rebuking the devil, right? We'd be like, we just cast that demon out of you in the name of Jesus. I mean, come on. If someone lost their ability to speak or their ability to see, God does wild things, and he will offend your mind to get to your heart. Sometimes there is a divine purpose in unconventional manifestations. And this is a place that our understanding must submit to the Lordship of Christ in our life. Paul went on to say in 1 Corinthians 2.1, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of the power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Peter, let's talk about Peter, how he went into a trance. What? Like, isn't that new age? In Acts 10.10, 10, it says, then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. I mean, sometimes I feel like I get a bit, I don't know. Anyway, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. Christians have a greater faith in new age practices than they do in the workings of the Holy Spirit sometimes. We hear about people going into trances and we're like, well, that's so new age. Apparently, new age practices, people can go into trances. I have never been in a trance, nor have I never been new age, so I can't affirm that, but I am told but listen, we attribute a physical manifestation of the Holy Spirit to the devil so much easier sometimes. The idea of going into a trance, I guarantee, would freak most of you out. Kind of freaks me out. I'm just saying, like, this is in our Bible. This is the same Bible that you read. This isn't like a New Age spell book. This is the Bible. Man, we give the New Age movement far too much credit when they have ripped off that which was designed for believers. 
when they move in unholy spirits to try to imitate that which is holy, and we call that powerful, and sometimes we're scared of it. And I'm like, gosh, come on, greater is he who lives in us than he who lives in the world, right? And if they can go into trances, then I want to go into a trance by the Holy Spirit. I do. I'm praying for it. Listen, it's not just reserved for those like wacky mystical Christians. It's not. I don't think Peter was that wacky or that mystical. But I believe he hung out with Jesus. Listen, this is the same Peter. In Matthew 16, 17, 19, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you, he will give Peter, the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Can I be as bold as to say that if you are sitting in this room and you are a Gentile this morning, then your journey to faith began with a man going into a trance. Because what happened when Peter got up out of that trance? He just went to another conference and he sat there and he goes, encounter me again, Jesus. No, he was equipped with boldness and revelation to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Before that, the gospel wasn't preached to the Gentiles. It was only preached to the Jews. That trance opened the door so that every man, woman, and child could receive the gospel. All because of a trance. Manifestations of the Holy Spirit should move us in a direction. They're not just to make us fat Christians. They're to flow through us. They're to enable us. They're to equip us. Amen? There was a remarkable change in Peter. He had the courage and boldness that he was given with the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which is a stark contrast to the Peter that denied Jesus at the cross. He was a different man. In the Old Testament, we read about the guards in Solomon's temple in 2 Chronicles 5.14 in the ESV. It says, so the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house. That word glory is the Hebrew word kavod, which means the weightiness or the heaviness of the presence of God. What does that mean? It means the presence of God was so heavy in that temple that the priests literally could not stand up. They could not stand under the presence of God. Come on. Daniel, in Daniel 8, 17 through 18, so he came near where I stood. He's talking about the angel of the Lord. And when he came, I was afraid and I fell on my face. And this wasn't just a like, oh, just give me a second. <laughs> he didn't get on his face. He fell on his face. He fell on his face. 
And further on, it says, Now as he was speaking with me, I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Shaking, Habakkuk 3.16. When I heard, my body trembled. My lips quivered at the voice. In Matthew 28.4, the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. I have never seen a dead man standing. <laughs> to be fair, I've never seen a dead man. <laughs> but I assume most of them would fall, right? So they shook with fear and they fell as though they were dead. Kind of like being slain in the spirit, huh? In Genesis 17, 17, then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. See, we read this and we put this into our minds and our context and we think, oh, Abraham must have just like gotten onto his face and then laughed, or maybe chuckled a little. But it says he fell on his face and he laughed. Jesus, in Hebrews 1.9, you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you, has anointed Jesus with the oil of gladness, joy in some translations, more than your companions. Meaning Jesus was the happiest guy in the room. In Luke 10, 21, it says, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit. That word rejoiced in Strong's Dictionary is translated as jumped for joy. Jesus isn't the well-refined man that fits into our well-mannered box. He jumped for joy. I mean, just give me a sec. He didn't give just a nice smile and be like, oh, yes, God is good. God is good. Amen. He was exuberant. He was emotional. This is our Jesus. I don't think he designed it so that we would sit in church pews with solemn expressions on our faces, hearing the word that is meant to transform us and just sit there and smile and give a golf clap. That's not my Jesus. My Jesus is full of joy. Full of joy, so much so that I don't believe he can contain it. As we read in scripture. Okay, King David's undignified worship in 2 Samuel 6.22. And I will be even more undignified than this. And will be humble in my own sight. It is not always the case, but many times... We will not experience manifestations because of our pride. Because of pride of our reputation, 
fear of man. Honestly, I'd say that's probably the greatest one. It's so funny. We care more about what the person sitting next to us thinks than we do about what Jesus thinks. And we sing the songs. Oh, I will be even more undignified than this. But I don't see people running around in their underwear dancing. And I'm not actually condoning that or asking you to do that. But I'm just trying to bring context. But surely you could just get out of your seat. You know? Maybe raise a hand every now and then. But dance if you feel led to dance. Let's do this experiment. Well, Keen used to do this, and I like it. If you are okay with the person next to you experiencing the Holy Spirit, however the Holy Spirit wants to experience them, I just want you to raise your hand. So if you're sitting next to someone who doesn't have their hand raised, feel free to move next to someone who does. (laughs) What's my point? No one cares how free you get. In fact, we're actually going to champion you to get as free as you can possibly get. God will move through people who are willing to give up their reputation for him. Okay, so here are the questions that I have. I was going to tell you about some of the wild manifestations that happened in the revival in Cambridge, but... I don't have time. So just look them up. They are insane. One of the manifestations was this. People would walk past people slain in the spirit and music, music would literally be coming out of their bellies. There was another manifestation called the flop, right? And people would just stand there with their feet planted and their heads would bend back. I mean, I can't even... I can't even, granted, I'm not very flexible, but I cannot bend back so that my head almost touches the floor. But they would whip their heads back till it almost touched the floor and then whip them forward. And they would just stand there whipping like this. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can't do that if I tried. That's how you know it's the Lord. So these were my questions and they might be your questions too. But Renee, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. You can control manifestations. My first question is, is when you're in a safe environment, why would you want to? Again, it comes back to pride. It's really the only reason you would not want God to touch you that way. But look, unfortunately, I don't think that there is a black and white answer to this as we often hope there is. I've seen some people so overcome with the Holy Spirit that they themselves lose all ability to control what God is doing. Like, I don't think that Paul asked to be knocked off a donkey. I don't think he had any say in the matter. Completely involuntary. But as a general rule of thumb, without the exception to the rule, I would say that we do have the ability to engage or disengage from manifestations. We have the ability to resist or surrender. And so in that way, I do believe that we can stop what God is doing by resisting. 
Look, there are so many testimonies of people encountering the power of God that the individual cried out for it to stop because they had a fear that they might die. And it stopped. So I do believe that God will lift in those moments because he is kind. I also believe that the I also believe that we have the ability to control manifestations of the Holy Spirit in different environments. I've seen believers manifest in public settings in front of non-believers while praying for people. And look, sometimes it has resulted in the Holy Spirit moving and those people getting saved. Other times it has resulted in confusion and embarrassment. That is why we have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. In 1995, a Christian sociologist named Margaret Paloma interviewed a diverse group of people who had experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. Margaret talked to over a thousand people and the results showed that 92% of them said that they loved Jesus more after they experienced him in that way than ever before. 92%. And additionally, 82% of them mentioned that they were more eager and excited to tell their friends and family about Jesus than they were in the past. I believe that manifestations are supposed to move us to a place of deeper intimacy with Jesus and sharing the gospel with others. But it is safe to let go in safe environments. It's not just safe, it's really fun. And I believe that maybe the reason why you see more people manifest in this room than perhaps you have before is we're okay with the mess. If it means more of the Holy Spirit, we're okay for it to look a little messy. We want people to experience God, even if we don't fully understand, even if it looks kind of crazy to us. I've been in church services where I have seen people begin to manifest the Holy Spirit and they were asked to stop or leave the room so they wouldn't distract people. But now in those places, how much do you think people feel at ease to fully encounter Jesus? Not much, I would say. There is a great importance in having safe spaces for spiritual expression. And this is one of them. But I want to encourage believers to trust the Holy Spirit in environments of love and accountability and understand that true self-control actually involves yielding to God's leading. But what about spiritual discernment? I go through this first. But as a community, we embrace the Holy Spirit's work among us, but we're also mindful of the need for discernment, especially in a world that may not fully comprehend or understand and even judge these experiences. There is a delicate balance between discernment and judgment. Our faith is anchored in the word of God and we encounter spiritual manifestations, but the Bible reminds us to be discerning. And in 1 John 4, 1, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. So we are urged to test the spirits to ensure that they align with God's truth. It's not a call to skepticism and judgment, but an invitation to engage our discernment that we are given by the Holy Spirit to decipher what is happening in the room. And it's crucial that our discernment doesn't transform into judgment. 
Our discernment should be marked by humility. Our discernment should be marked by humility, recognizing our own flaws and limitations. In Galatians 1, 6, 1, it says, it guides us to restore others gently, embodying a spirit of grace rather than condemnation. In Philippians 1, 9 through 10, Paul connects discernment with love. Praying for our love to abound more and more in knowledge and discernment. As we navigate spiritual encounters, we have to let the compass that guides our discernment be love. Love tempers our skepticism and our analysis, and it prevents it from coming across as cold or critical. We must experience people moving. When we experience people moving in the flesh and not the Holy Spirit, then we have to pastor those people, not kick them out. I have seen some manifestations that begin in the spirit but end in the flesh. I would say some of the main reasons that someone displays manifestations when it is not the Holy Spirit at work are for these reasons. This isn't an exhaustive list. It could be a number of reasons, but these are the most common that I've seen over the years. One is quite simply attention. They enjoy the attention that they receive or the sense of importance that they feel from the recognition. Sometimes it's a lack of confidence. Do you know overconfidence is actually just a lack of confidence? A sense of low confidence that exudes itself in a way that would try to claim that they are perhaps more spiritual than others. Peer pressure or denominational pressure. And I have felt this in the past, not from a person, no one put this on me, but as I watched what happened all around me, I began to fall into this like, oh, I really want that to happen to me. Maybe if I fake it till I make it, it'll happen. Sometimes we feel this pressure that we need to fit in. Maybe that's why sometimes people move outside of the Holy Spirit and in the flesh. And look, I know I haven't answered all of the questions that you might have surrounding this topic. It's really hard to fit it all in in such a short time. But look, it's my goal today to bring a deeper understanding to this and to maybe get rid of some of the stigma that's attached to it. At its simple, most elementary form, it is people encountering Jesus. And God doesn't need as much help in this area to judge them as we think. But let me tell you, the enemy sure would like us to move in judgment. Because at the root of that is fear, which leads to unbelief and offense. And if we're not careful, we'll begin to be more offended by the manifestations of the Holy Spirit than we are excited, than we are thankful. And that's exactly where the enemy would want us to be. As many people there as there are in this room, like I said before, is going to be as many different ways that people encounter the Holy Spirit. And I want to end with this. Manifestations of the Holy Spirit do not make you more anointed than other people. It does not mean that you are spiritually or emotionally healthy. 
And they certainly do not mean that you are spiritually more mature than others. Let us not fall into deception thinking that people who have manifestations happen in an outward sense are more holy or anointed than those of us who don't. It is simply not true. It is this tension to desire the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And again, I'll say it. I'll take God however God wants to take me, whatever that looks like. But I want to tell you that we here at Bethel Austin, we are a community of spiritually diverse people, and we love it that way. Some people have experienced the book of Acts level encounters and manifestations while a lot of us encounter God more commonly through his peace that rests on us when we read the word. While some of us laugh uncontrollably or weep in his presence or fall to the ground, it is just as valid to experience the Holy Spirit in moments of stillness and silence. However you experience God is okay. It's not just okay, it's good. Not one way is greater than the other. It is all God, therefore it is all good. Amen? So I want you to feel comfortable in this place to experience God however God wants to experience you. Can we just stand this morning? I want to pray for us. But I just want to say that this is a safe place. And I want to encourage you that if you see things that don't quite make, make sense to you or you don't quite understand, I just want to encourage you to press in to trust in God beyond your ability to understand. Jesus, I just thank you. I thank you that you have created each of us so wonderfully and uniquely different, God. I thank you that your voice sounds different in my heart than it does in others' hearts, God. You're always the same, God, but you can sound different. You can manifest through people's lives in different ways, God. And we just want to say, we are here for it. We don't want to let pride stand in the way of you taking over and flowing through our bodies, God. So if there are areas of pride in our life where we don't want to look like fools, where we're uncomfortable, we're scared of what people think, then this morning, God, I just ask that you would just move on us, that you would encounter us so that we are at a place where we are only interested in what you think about us and not what other people think about us. God, I thank you for all of the different ways that you move. And we just ask for more. We ask for more. God, we want you however you want us. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.